Welcome back. JMC Podcast is in full effect. My name is Felix C. Arroyo. I am the host. I am the journeyman. Today's episode is yet another journey, another interview. I got to sit down and chop it up with Adriana Atencio, a bike enthusiast right here in Lancaster City, bike advocate. She's all about bicycles. She's all about incorporating them into everyday life. She's very passionate about it. She breaks down some things and she makes some good arguments. So um, along with that, uh, you know, a lot of laughs. She's got a sense of humor, mad cool, mad relaxed, um, but it, it, it does not go unnoticed you know how um serious she is about not only like advocating for the use of bikes but like uh, you know how they can bring a community together uh, implementing them into the commonweal where she works um and you know getting kids involved in building their own bikes and there's programs that they have so um, I thought it would be pretty cool to sit and talk with her and, and and kind of, you know, pick her brain about some things because, you know, and I kept it real with her. You know, I'm I'm one of those people that are probably yelling to get people off the roads that are in my way. But after sitting and listening to her make some arguments and make some good points, it you know, it made me kind of rethink my approach and really trying to better myself as a person right through the podcast. That's what this whole thing's about is learning about different people, broadening your horizon, your, your way of thinking. So let's get right into it, right? Today's episode is with Adriana. This is her journey. And these are the journeyman chronicles. Let's go. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank um, you for having me. Um, one of my favorite things about doing the podcast is meeting new people. I've had the pleasure of interviewing people I know, mm-hmm. um, but interviewing people who I don't know at all and kind of engaging, you know, as we meet through the door, it's, it's a challenge for me because it, it gives me an opportunity to, to really, really put what I want to do to the test, which is interviewing, ask questions without really much um, research. Mm -hmm. I I did a little bit, obviously, I know about the common wheel. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it was, uh, forgive me, I'm I'm drawing a blank, I'm not sure exactly when, but the um, Baldwin um, Mm -hmm. came into play. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, yeah, it's pretty cool, because at that time we were kind of like trying to find out when to reschedule. So let's let's start with, um, obviously, phenomenal uh experience of riding a bike the 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 trip you took to different cities with a bike am am i on the same track here well speaking of track yes so um (laughs) i know you took a train yes (laughs) (laughs) i did so um my baldwin project we you know the baldwin 
fellowship we there were 10 of us and we each had you know a capstone project my project was uh, a three-week trip via Amtrak with a folding bike and I went to six different cities um, in the south and in the midwest to talk to other bicycle advocates and other folks who run nonprofits that are similar to the common wheel to find out what's working for them what isn't working um and to you know celebrate the wins and just get to know other folks in this work because you know a lot of times this work can feel kind of lonely um, the nonprofit work, nonprofit work, but also just like, even though there is so much joy in in the bicycle community, um, when you do, especially like bicycle advocacy, kind of on the local level, you know, I go to, for example, like traffic commission, man, traffic commission is too, like, it's on a Tuesday at three 30 in the afternoon. Okay. And sometimes there, there's like your usual cast of characters. Sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, I call it parks and rec in real life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cause it can definitely be, uh, it can be funny like parks and rec. Okay, it can also okay. be like wildly, um, <laughs> like bang your head against the wall, like parks and rec. <laughs> like, why can't we just ha- put in a four-way stop yeah well you can't just put in a four-way stop because the federal highway commission says like you have to have a certain number of crashes and like you know um essentially like death maybe to make this happen and it's it's kind of convoluted and it can just be so frustrating especially when people are coming like with these problems and then you just can't actually really do too much about it because there are arbitrary rules in yeah. place. Um, and not everybody knows about, you know, some of these commissions and things that, that you can do to, to try and, and make change in your neighborhood. So, um, it can feel a little lonely at times. Uh, and you do have a lot of people who like just simply they they don't believe that um, that vulnerable road users like anybody that you know that that aren't in motor vehicles yeah. like belong on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, that like to be frank sucks because <laughs> our roads are are made for so much more than just um, cars passing by. Like there's. You know, there's there's studies that show that when you make um, when you make the when you make the roads uh, safer for all people that, you know, you you see the cultures of neighborhoods just um, just flourish so much more like when we have on street dining and um, bicycle facilities and just safer ways for people to get across the street you know everybody likes to say back in my day i used to play in the street and i'm like well i want that for like our kids too yeah yeah here's the solution drive a little slower (laughs) like it's not that hard so i i did have like the incredible opportunity and the privilege to meet so many incredible people um on this trip and see so many cool places that I haven't been before and a couple of places that I have been before yeah. um, that were on my list to go back to. Okay. Like, for example, 
Indianapolis. Everybody is like, wow, Indianapolis, the Indy 500. It's a car city. It is a bike city. It is a pedestrian city. It is an incredible city. They have incredible bicycle infrastructure. They have uh, the Cultural Heritage Trail, which is this like beautiful separated path that goes all through the city and it's separated for bikes and then for pedestrians and mobility um, device users like wheelchairs for example and what's so cool about it is you know they have a lot of it done so they're investing a lot of money into the connectivity of it like they want people to be able to get to it yeah 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 yeah. and they have all these canals and these greenways that go along the canals and they are so focused on how do we actually get people to these and i think that's a big thing that gets lost in a lot of communities it's like well we're gonna we're gonna give you a rail trail but you have to drive to it fair enough and not everybody has that ability and not everybody wants that and also like Active transportation is healthy and it's fun. And like that connectivity portion is just so huge. Yeah. Um, and I think it just really became a theme for the entire trip. I mean, part of like being on the train and what makes it so different from being in a car, or being on an airplane is the fact that it's slower. You can go to a dining car and meet new people yeah. and connect with them. You're forced to enjoy the trip mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, and I met really cool people on the train um, because it is legitimately very slow, especially compared to other countries. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> And especially outside of the Northeast Corridor. Uh, but, yeah, the, the connectivity portion, I think, is just is really huge. Well, I, I like the way that you broke that down because, admittedly, and I, and I will own this i am one of those drivers that get frustrated mm-hmm. um but when you explain indianapolis and the infrastructure that they have there in my mind i was like well then that's pretty cool because when it's already established that i'm sure everybody is kind of like able to do and get around the way that they want to um so it would be cool i know uh my in-laws live in um right off of south pearl street um, so that's Hershey Avenue going the mm-hmm. whole way down. And I remember when they added the green bike lane in there yeah. and it took a while to get used to it because I, that's, that's my old stomping grounds. I grew up there. Yeah. So I was like, wow, this is different. Like, it's cool, but it's like, is there going to be enough room for the cars? Like, it's like, it's, and I look back now and I'm like, of course there's enough room for the cars, mm-hmm. but it's like this, uh, conditioned way that we're all built to think like the road is for the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, but advocating for space for the bike uh you're going to these meetings you you mentioned park uh, parks and parks and rec <laughs> which uh I, I didn't watch it enough but i i watched it enough to know what you're talking about yeah. and and the, the humor behind it um so i i, I do appreciate that perspective i, I kind of wanted to throw that out there now because i'm not going to be the kind of person it's like yeah i'm the one that's complaining but i'm not going to say anything about it like, <laughs> like but it is cool. I think when you have it, when it's established, and I'm sure Lancaster will get there mm-hmm. um, with with that infrastructure and giving giving the lanes for the bike. Um, I think of Orange Street. Is it Orange or is it uh, where Sacred Heart Church? Is that Orange Street? Walnut. Or, Walnut Street. Mm-hmm. Forgive me. Uh, when the when the when they shifted the parking lane over, stuff like that. Yeah. It's like it's like 
uh, incorporating those ideas, like you mentioned, the four-way stop, the, how difficult it is. You kind of have to have these statistics in place of why they should be there. And it's like, well, we don't want to get to that point where there are statistics. Yeah. So it's like this back and forth. Does that frustrate you? I mean, I, I can tell that you're very passionate about it's not just so much like I like riding a bike. It's the the lifestyle behind it. Well, and, and the thing is, I don't even get to ride as much as I want to. Okay. Because like, honestly, I'm so busy going to like these meetings and going to community events and things like that. But I think for me, it's just I, I want to see our, our roads and our streets safe for people just in general. Yeah. Because we do know that when we build streets that are safe for the most vulnerable amongst us, we make them safer for all of us, including motorists, right? So, um, you know, when it comes to something like Walnut Street, for example, it it is going to be a little bit painful for everyone to get used to it. Right. But it makes it better for everybody. It just takes changing our habits. Um, and I mean, it's it's literally for everyone. It's for like cyclists, too, and how you ride, for example, in a parking protected bike lane. It, it takes people getting out of your cars to like, it, yeah. hey, yes, the road is narrower. So you can't just like throw your door open because it might get hit by a car. Well, just take a look. Yeah. Wait and then get out. Like we I think a lot of times, especially in this country, have a very like me first, me <laughs> first right, right. kind of attitude where we really need to think of our community as a whole and how we can move forward in that way. So while it might, you know, it might add 20 seconds to your day. Sure. It is benefiting the community as a whole. So I think if we can start kind of thinking a little bit more along those lines, like, hey, is it overall right. a better thing rather than how does it affect me in this moment it 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 will it will go places but you know yes there are some things that definitely do frustrate me and i think too you know when it comes to like crashes and things not everything gets reported so it it has to be like a reportable crash, right? That's how they get their data. Oh, but okay, think about it. Wow. Like somebody gets in a crash and they're like, "Hey man, uh let's keep this out from right, insurance right, right, right. because I don't want my insurance <laughs> to go up." And I'm like, "Well, that's a great technique for your insurance, but that's a crash that's not reported." So, like, that's a very privileged thing to be able to do, to sure. be like, I'm going to shell out some cash. Yeah. But then we don't have the data, actual good data yeah. to go off of. So I think a lot of things get, like, very much so underreported. Um, and, yeah, so that that is a source of frustration for me because, uh, man, there's nothing like, you know, there's federal law, there's state law, but who knows their their communities best like sure local pe people right. do now do we have absolutely like experts and everything yes like we know how um how 
infrastructure can can change a community for the better, right? We've we've seen it in in different places, so it's it is a bit of a balance. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to safety features, man, let if a community says like, hey, I think this four way stop would like really benefit us. Yeah. 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 Why not? Right. Right. And, Why not? <laughs> and I, I think that kind of like to tie into your statement earlier when you said it can get lonely because you would think that these would be, and again, I'm I'm owning it where you would think that these would be like some of the priority things on people's mind, which it is, but it's also conditioned safety. It's on everybody's mind. But when you start breaking it down, like, yeah, but we're talking about like the safety of bicyclists on the road. And these cyclists are coming to four ways without uh, an intersection without a four way stop sign. So it's almost like, am I the only person here that's, that's thinking along these lines, if we really sit down and, and think about it, we should all be concerned about somebody's safety and not really waiting for the data. I, I, I never thought about that part of it. The people kind of like taking care of something without getting insurance involved. No one's really thinking about the data. Mm-hmm. They're just thinking, you know, it's, you know, let's not, I, and I've done that before. What do you, how do you want to take care of this? But then there's no information for the city to go off and say like, Hey, listen, we need this stop sign here and there because the data says it. So um, I'm assuming when you say it gets lonely, is it, it's like that tug of war of, of you need to really be passionate about what you're doing here for the long haul because it's it's not seen. You're kind of like in the shadows, I would oh, yeah. think, in regards to everything else that's taking place. Yeah, it's it's definitely not seen. It's definitely not seen. And I mean, cyclists are literally not seen too i mean <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah uh, a running joke uh that my partner and i have will you know we'll be walking around or you know driving or whatever and we'll be like somebody will ride a bike by and we'll be like oh nobody rides bikes in lancaster because you know anytime right. anytime lmp puts out an article about anything bicycle related Somebody is always like, well, I never see anybody on a bike in Lancaster. That's because I have. Right. I mean, that's weird. I I, well, I do, too. I see people on bikes. That's weird. I do, too. (laughs) But like it never fails. They just put out an article recently on like the bike lane that is going up on on Lemon Street. And there were at least like four or five people. And I just started putting receipts <laughs> i'm like well here's a picture here's they're, a picture right and guess what actually they're all on bike lanes too so okay. not only do people ride bikes but they actually ride them in bike lanes <laughs> all you have to do is Go open figure. your eyes what do you know <laughs> so it's just like a running joke nobody rides bikes in lancaster <laughs> <laughs> who knew <laughs> when you mentioned uh you mentioned getting on the train with a bike you said it mm-hmm. folded yeah what kind of bike what kind of bike is that now because I'm, I'm naive when it comes to this so there are you know a number of different brands brompton is like the catalog yeah. of folding bikes i did not have one of those okay, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> i had a dahan which is a good type of folding bike but the thing about folding bikes is when you take them on amtrak they are considered luggage so you don't have to pay to bring your bike on the on the train. Okay. Um, when I was getting on in New Orleans, I took a train from New Orleans all the way up to Chicago. It was about 24 hours. Um, it's called the, actually, I don't remember what that one's called, wow. but it was pretty cool. Like, I mean, it goes straight up yeah. the country. 
um, they were like, it's going to be $10. And I was like, ha ha, no. And they're like, well, we have to check our book. And I was like, go ahead. And they went and checked and came back. And they're like, so you're right. Do you, um, do you want a job? And I was like, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, because so it, it fit into a bag. Like I had a carrying bag for it. Um, I probably could have invested in a better carrying better bag. bag. I had like bruises up and down my arms. Um, from carrying that that thing around because it it is about like 25 30 pounds okay yeah. and it's not that it's heavy it's just more that it's like clunky yeah because i'm thinking of a bike like a literal folded bike how do you manage how are you holding that in a bag it like it, it's mean, a bike it's a bike what i'm thinking down. of are the tires like, like so it's a 20 inch tire okay yeah it's a 20 inch okay. wheel so <laughs> I rode when I was in Atlanta. I did about 30 miles on it the one day and I hit some really chunky gravel and those those yeah, wheels yeah, are not yeah, made no, for no. chunky gravel. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite the experience. I was like, I need a I need a drink after yeah. that. <laughs> um, and I did stop and, and I have one. There you go. Um, which is always fun. Uh, but... It's, you know, it's a good little bike to, to get around in. Uh, I have not ridden that bike since I got okay. back. Um, okay. My my boyfriend ended up using it as his commuter for a little bit because he's like, it fits right under my desk. And I was like, you have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to keep up with somebody. She, <laughs> she has an e-bike and she's like, I'm just going to put it on eco mode, which is like her slow mode. And girl you have full-size tires like you have full-size wheels i got these little 20 inch wheels i felt like the wicked witch i was just like da, 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 and i was not they're thinner up. right the wheel well now so the, it's the the wheel i mean it was like a 20 by 2.125 so it was like two inches okay. wide but it the wheels it's just like the wheel size itself was just way smaller yeah. so like you're just pedaling and you. you're just yeah you're going nowhere it seems she's, like. not, she's like up the hill and i'm like oh oh no <laughs> plus when when i'm home my bike that i usually ride is a single speed so okay i mean it, i don't have any gears to shift gotcha. i get to a hill and i'm like i'm just gonna blast up this hill all right here i am so I forget how to shift a lot. Like I, well, it's not that I forget how to shift. I forget that I have to shift. Gotcha. So I get to a hill and I'm like, oh crap, I got to do this. And and then I would do it, um, but not do it well. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the last time I I rode a bike. I was thinking about it while I was preparing for this episode. I'm like, I I I, I know how to ride it, mm -hmm. but I haven't done it. Probably since I was a kid, so I don't know if I'd be able to. Oh, you! It's just. But it's it's just is it literally like the phrase is like bike. just like yeah. riding a bike? Mm -hmm. But I do remember shifting gears as yeah. a kid and having to remember to do that. It's crazy. Yeah. I had um, a few years back, a, a woman came into our Queen Street Community Center and shop, and she's like, "I have not ridden a bike since I was probably like 12 years old," and she's like, "That was decades ago." She was probably in her 60s, and I was like, "Well." No problem. Let's try this one and I'll grab my bike and let's just go back to these parking lots and we'll ride together. And 
like the first few minutes, it was like a a newly born fawn, <laughs> <laughs> like just like a little shaky, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But after those few minutes, it was just like riding a bike. That's I mean, cool. like she got it, and then she just kept going. And she just had the biggest smile on her face. Yeah. And we were just riding around in circles. And she was just so happy. And, I mean, I think that's, like, the coolest thing. That's the coolest thing about, you know, what we do. I mean, um, you know, I don't I don't have the opportunity to, to be in in the shop as much anymore or uh to be in the co-op because uh i don't actually get my own work done i end up just talking to people all the time which is great i mean i love talking to people uh but (laughs) then i don't get my my stuff done um but the the joy that that people get from bicycles i mean either it is like that nostalgia um that they feel or you know, for for some of the kids that we have that are coming through our programs, they find such a sense of purpose in working with their hands and, um, you know, learning all these STEM skills. We have kids that will, you know, come in to our drop-in volunteer night every Friday, and it is like their favorite time of the week. Yeah. Um, and they're hanging with adults and, like, wrenching on bikes, and... Um, they just, they find, yeah, just like purpose and joy and they, it's, it's so cool because, you know, a, a bicycle, I, I, it's one of the things I like to, I like to say it is, it's a simple machine in a lot of ways. Right. But it is so revolutionary in many many ways i mean for so many people it provides the ability to get to school to get to work um to get to soccer practice right for other people it is that form of like release for stress release for exercise and then you know for most people i mean like Unless you're going up a really gnarly hill or unless a car is like right on your butt, you're really hard pressed to find somebody who is riding a bike and they don't have a smile on their face. Uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. It's just, it's fun. Yeah. And it takes you back to childhood. And I mean, it's just, it's so, so, so cool. Well, so I would think it's also like a connection with your neighborhood and community because mm-hmm. you're, you're like, you're not in a vehicle, so you're not enclosed in anything. You're still like, you're moving, but you're within everybody's reach in a way if that makes any sense. I, yeah. I, I could kind of like imagine that in my mind. You see the cliche movies where the person's riding their bike and it's got that vibe, and I'm like, that must be really what it's like when you're genuinely um, enjoying it or using it. Like you said, I remember my dad would ride a bike to work because mm-hmm. um, he cause he could. And he was like, why not? And it makes sense now when I look back at it, like, yeah, like there's different ways of transportation, obviously. But when you think about like the release 
the connection with the community. Are you, you seem to be very involved, like wanting to be involved with the community. Mm -hmm. uh, it it seem, uh, seems to be a, a passionate um, attribute of yours. I'm just kind of getting to know you now, but I got that vibe. You were willing to help somebody ride their bike to get acquainted with it after they purchased it, as opposed to just being like, well, you know, like, there's the bike. You can figure it out on your own. Um, is that something? That, oh. talk, talk to me about the common wheel because I know it's a staple within <laughs> yeah. the community. But is that something like that's part of the gig there is you need to be all in as opposed to just being somebody that's standing behind a counter or holding a wrench? Yeah, no, exactly. And like that was before they bought it, too. Like, okay, so that's the way it's always been. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's all about meeting people where they're at yeah. right um because you know they're <laughs> i i tend to tell people like i'm the worst salesperson that we have <laughs> <laughs> why is that well i mean like yes we sell new and refurbished bikes and everything that we sell goes towards supporting our programming we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization right sure. so so many times, like, we'll have parents come in with teens, and I'm like, how old are you? And they're like, 15. I'm like, you're not buying a bike. Sign up for earn a bike. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like oh, we could be making money, but instead, I want them to, like, sign up for programming. What is that? So, earn a bike, it is our flagship program. It's for youth, 11 to 21. They come in, they pick out one of our donated bikes. We teach them how to overhaul it, how to maintain it, and wow. how to ride it safely. Plus, this year, we added a financial literacy portion to the course as well. Wow. So, anytime that they are doing any work to the bike, they are adding up their labor and then adding up any parts that they that they put on the bike. So. Gotcha. You know, our our youth are seeing that, hey, you know, I did $300 worth of labor, plus I added $100 worth of parts to this bike, and my bike at the end of this course is worth $400. And we're finding that because we're doing this, we're showing them, you know, like, you did this work. Right. There's an investment. There's Yeah. You are so invested in this. They're they're really actually locking them up now. <laughs> <laughs> well, they want to take care of yeah, their investment. Now. They're like, damn, I did yeah. this. And I'm like, yeah, you did. <laughs> because we do, like, they get that, they get the bike that they worked on at the end of this four-week course. It's on Tuesdays and Thursdays after school. Then they get a U-lock helmet and a lot, uh, light set. Wow. Um, we, we value the course at $200 but we have it on a sliding scale fee and 98% uh, of our youth um, receive some sort of scholarship. Wow. So many of our kids pay as little as $10 for the course and uh, a number of our kids pay absolutely nothing, especially if they are um, a newly arrived neighbor. Got you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got you. So, um, it's it's awesome we have anywhere we can usually have space for about eight kids a month to do the course uh we have six kids right now who are doing the september earn a bike and um 
we're exploring ways to do kind of a condensed version okay. because the only prerequisite that we have to become an apprentice with us is earn a bike and apprenticeship through the Commonweal. We work with CareerLink. You can apply to become an apprentice and then CareerLink pays $15 an hour for 300 hours worth of work. Um, after that, we have an advanced apprenticeship and CareerLink uh pays from 16 to 18 dollars an hour plus we also have our own funds to be able to fund other apprenticeships once youth have kind of exhausted that career link path um and the great thing about our apprenticeships is you know youth are learning advanced stem skills um which you know, are applicable in just kind of the, the everyday world too. Right, right. Uh, you know, like for example, I have a, a part-timer um, who, who works on airplanes for a living. Well, the bearings on airplanes are the exact same bearings that you'll find on bicycles. They just happen to be a, a lot bigger. Sure. Makes sense. Um, but, you know, you can take a lot of what you learn working on a bike, just kind of those problem solving skills and everything and apply them to like, they have just so many real, 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 real world, world applications. <laughs> yeah. I, do it. I do it all the time. Yeah. No. <laughs> but they also have opportunities to teach that same earn a bike class that they took. Okay. So they're learning soft skills. They're learning how to work with youth they're learning so much more than just how to work with their hands or how to look at a phone or yeah. work on a computer. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're trying to really create some well-rounded youth that have a nicely built resume before they're even, you know, getting out of high school. Well, that's one of the things while you were speaking, I was thinking about was there's a lot of different things that you're hitting. It isn't just so much like, the bike but it's more like we talked about the investment it's it's the work that you put into it it's the understanding uh how important it is to invest time into things um that you take care of it you the troubleshooting the working with your hands so i never knew that about the common wheel mm -hmm. and again like, like I, I mentioned i i do a little research because i like finding out as we're talking um, but I was aware that, that it was there for a while, that it's a staple in, in this community. And um, giving back really is what you're doing is you're giving back to the youth uh, to really build up the the, the culture mm -hmm. of which is bicycle and cycling and, and being able to um, have Lancaster established in that manner like we talked about uh, Indianapolis. Um, so... As somebody who is, hasn't ridden a bike in a while, but I'm aware of how important it is, and I'm learning now how important it is from you, I, I, I commend you for the work that you're doing. That's actually pretty cool. And when you mentioned the lonely part of it, it's, it, again, you I would think that you, you really have to be invested because you don't get a, a spotlight on the work that you're doing. I didn't, I didn't know that about the common wheel. Um, how many people are currently uh, employed there or is that is that a, is that changing quickly considering the apprenticeship 
So, um, you know, our youth apprentices come and go. We currently have, I think we have two right now. Uh, but we're, we're always looking to hire more. Yeah. Um, and then I have two program managers, which are both female identifying, which is awesome. That is awesome. You don't, you don't necessarily see a lot of, uh, female bike mechanics, especially. Yeah. So they are program managers, but they also wrench on bikes, which is super, super, super cool. Yeah. Um, my director of operations actually came from the school district of Lancaster. He has his master's in curriculum design, which is fantastic. Um, his big thing when he joined our team in February was kind of auditing our programming and seeing how we can, how we can just improve just in general, just bring it to the next level. We want to, we just want to be kind of the, the cutting edge. And while we do fly under the radar a little bit, you know, our, our programs are top notch. That's awesome. Um, and then, um, my my Queen Street uh, manager is also one of the top DJs around here. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He spins vinyl, and if you need to know anything about uh, psychedelic disco, he's, he's okay. the one to ask. Okay. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. wonderful. And then um, I have another full-timer who recently joined our team, and he's got a degree in in fine art. And, you know, I just have, like, the best staff. They all are so multi-talented. They're all so passionate about what they do. And um, what's, what's so exciting for us is we're opening up our third location in Columbia. Okay. In the spring of 2024. So we're bringing our programs, our classic programs up to Columbia, but we're also bringing our sales and service model up there too. So we'll be able to offer our apprenticeships as well up there. Um, and what's, you know, what's super cool about that is, you know, we hear from, from various stakeholders in Columbia that, you know, Columbia kids need, they need things to do. Well, we got that covered. There you go. With, right? some, with our programs, right? We'll be we'll be able to help with that, um, and with our apprenticeships. But Columbia is is on an upward rise as far as you know economic development goes yeah. too. So they're super excited that we're also bringing our sales and service model. Plus, you you happen to have this like thing, the Northwest river rail trail. It's kind of a big deal. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that is just right there. So being able to, um, to invest in the Columbia community is, is just really exciting for us. And we'll only be, you know, a mile away from York too, which is going to be so cool to be able to capture right, right over the bridge there. Yep. I mean, that's, the, the Veterans Memorial Bridge is yeah. literally one mile long. There so. you go. <laughs> that sounds so cool. That was one of the questions I was getting ready to ask is uh, um, another another uh, location. Is that in the in the works? But obviously it is. Mm-hmm. So you're growing. The outreach is getting bigger. That's so, so dope. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about while we're talking is when, where did this passion for you personally come into play in your life? Is is it has it always been there as a child riding bikes growing up with bikes different kinds of bikes can you talk about that at all 
So it, it really hasn't. Um, I was in a crash when I was a kid on a bike. I actually hit the back of a moving car. I have like no depth perception. I'm blind in my right eye. Okay. Um, so I essentially, like I see a little 3d, but not much. Um, and I was biking home from my brother's baseball game and I like misjudged and I just went and I hit the back of this lady's car and I don't remember it still to this day. I was 11 years old. So that was 25 years ago. Um, (laughs) (laughs) wow. Um, like had a really bad concussion, messed up my knee, broke my collarbone and I didn't ride a bike for, uh, like a good seven or eight years until I was living in Poland and I was a rotary exchange student and we were tracing, um, the border when, when Poland didn't exist. Okay. When, uh, Russia and, and, Germany decided to be like, well, you're not there anymore. So we were kind of tracing that border and it was in a meadow. And I was like, I'll, I'll get on this bike. And I got on the bike. Um, but when uh, the founder of the Commonweal uh, started everything, I had my son was about two years old then he was either year year or two years old um and chris had it was like we went to high school together and he was like hey doing anything and i'm like "Mm, working part-time not doing too much have a kid (laughs) uh i could use more things to do um so i joined like the first marketing committee uh started planning events, joined the board. And when I did that, I was like, you gotta, you gotta start riding a bike. Okay. Gotcha. And every single time I got on a bike, I would almost have like a panic attack. Okay. I was getting ready to ask you, is it something you were subconsciously avoiding? It was really, really hard. It was like, it was terrifying. Wow. Every single time it was terrifying. Um, and it continued to be terrifying. I mean, there have been times when I almost got killed by a woman who was like not altogether there. And I followed her to Riker's Bottle Works and (laughs) was like, you almost killed me. And she's like, I didn't see you. And I'm like, that's impossible. I was in the middle of the road and wearing a bright pink tank top right yeah um and then later like saw her at her house and i was like hey cops i found her <laughs> okay. and they're like we Did already they... know where she lives i'm like so what are you doing and they're like ha ha and i'm like cool um no love no <laughs> uh, i think a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the reason why i want to see it to i want it to be safer for people is because like now for some reason I'm like very much so fearless. I'm like, come at me, (laughs) come at me, everyone and anyone, because I'd rather them come at me than come at somebody who is going to be like, I'm never getting on a bike again. 
because you can come at me however many times as you want. And like my road rage in a car is no longer existent, but my road rage on a bicycle, like good luck. Oh, wow. An Italian girl is going to ruin your day. <laughs> My trash mouth is just going to come okay, right out. Okay, okay, trash mouth, all right. And <laughs> I will scream at you, and it will not be pretty. And <laughs> I love it. That's great. Is that, I feel like we're more relatable now. Now I'm relating to you more. Now I'm just <laughs> I, uh, there have been people There's, who are like. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. What just came out of your mouth and I'm like, did I black out? No, I know exactly what came out of my mouth. Um, but I, uh, I, I, I will lose my temper. Yeah. I'll be polite at first, but then people have been very, very mean before. And if you're going to be mean to me, I will be. Go for it. God awful right back. Yeah, to I love it. I love it. I, I have. Uh, I have a temper, but I don't obviously not on a bike, but behind a wheel. So I, I I can relate in that regard where it's, you know, sometimes it's, you know, the, the words go flying mm-hmm. like a sailor. And oh, I, yeah. Which I, I'm like that anyway. But when I'm when I'm having uh, an episode like that, it's it's even worse. So, OK, so the 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 the, <laughs> the, the origins of you in this experience really stems off of a traumatic experience as a child that that you were forced to overcome as an adult when when you said i have to ride the bike but it wasn't easy how long was that process for you until you were comfortable riding the bike or or has it never really been a hundred percent comfortable for you i mean i do get a lot of joy now out of riding a bike yeah absolutely and i mean i uh i credit the bike too to like at one point, it almost took my life, right? At another point, it saved my life because I went through just like the the worst uh, the worst divorce. And okay. um, when that happened, I would go on bike rides during my lunch break okay. and just like, because I was working at FNM during the time and I would go over to school lane Hills and just hit a couple of Hills and just like really bike it out. Okay. And I think it's the only thing that kept me like somewhat sane, um, and kept me a little bit centered. Um, I think without it, I probably would have been a bigger mess than I, I was then. Yeah, I hear you. Um, we, we kind of joke sometimes myself and another board member who is also divorced that like, uh, we should, we should make a, what, what do we call it? Like a derailers and divorce <laughs> club, like <laughs> just riding bikes and, uh, venting, venting. Yeah. But, you know, I just, I've seen, I've seen just how you know I've had friends they've moved away and they're like I'm just not connecting with people here and I'm like well this might sound a little goofy but you have a bike right yeah like go find your nonprofit bike shop and like go in and see if they have any rides and I can almost guarantee that you might make you might make a friend or two like bikes have just this 
power to bring people together and to create a lot of joy. Um, like people are generally pretty nice and like kind of fun. <laughs> right, right. They're they're not out to get you. The only thing is they generally just want you to have more bikes. <laughs> 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 um, because they are just so much fun. And like there's just such a wonderful community that comes from it. We want each other to be out there just in, enjoying. Yeah. Enjoying life and all the good things that come from it. Yeah, I can appreciate that, especially when you found, uh, when you mentioned it saved your life and it was a release for you in that regards. Um, I went through a divorce myself, and so I understand finding something that keeps you focused. And for you, it was it was the bike riding. Um, so I, I I can appreciate that. I feel I feel like it was very presumptuous of me to assume that I, you know, somebody so so involved as heavily as you are in this field that you grew up with this with this experience of always having a bike, but really. I can appreciate this more because it really goes to show like even through all of that, you're you're that passionate about it that you're still here now. You could have very well easily just not gotten on the bike, you know what I mean, or mm -hmm. found another way to, to, to go through your your tough time. So here you are now, at, you know, I mean, it's it's a pretty big <laughs> deal that the Baldwin Fellowship. Uh, how did that come about? I. I, I I, I met Fran a few times, obviously, um, and I interviewed her. So while following her was when I saw what what you had going on there. But can you talk to me about how that came about for you? And and was what else? Where else did you go in your in your traveling besides Indianapolis? Yeah. So um, I was like, I'm gonna apply for this. <laughs> I don't know if I'll get it, but. My the title of my project was Move Over Amtrak Joe. It's Amtrak Adrian. <laughs> Wait, say this again. So you know how they call Joe Biden yeah, Amtrak yeah. Joe? Okay, okay, I'm I got like, you. get out of here. I'm here now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I like it. And yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> it was for me like my project was a lot about like losing control i'm kind of a controlling person just a little gotcha. bit so am i a little bit um i'm not always great at like depending on other people <laughs> either so that was a little bit of it too like being gone for three weeks you really got to depend on people yeah um and yeah i mean i was like i'm gonna apply for this I think my project's a good one. I think I think it's a, a good, like, I think it fits well with, you know, what I do professionally, but I think it's good as far as, like, growth goes and, you know, the, the leadership program. You know, I, I, I love the folks at the Community Foundation. We call Fran T.T. Fran. Like, she's, she's gotcha. Auntie Fran. Yeah, love yeah, her. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... I was like, I, th I think this will work. I hope this will work. And it did, huh? So, I mean, it's the, the cohort was 
it was great. It was a great group of people, and we all learned, I think, a lot from each other. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, at this time last year, I was still on that trip. Okay. I think at this time last year, I was in New Orleans. So, yes, I would have been in New Orleans at this time. So the six different cities that I went to, I went to Greenville, South Carolina. I was there for literally 24 hours. Wow. I got off the train at 5.30 in the morning and got back on it at 5.30 in the morning. Um, I was in Atlanta for two days. I was in New Orleans for five days. Took the train straight up to Chicago, and I was in Chicago, I think, for five days. Then I went to Lawrence, Kansas, and I was there for about 24 hours. Wow. And the unusual thing, it's not unusual, it's just kind of the state of uh, infrastructure in the United States. Uh, Amtrak in the Midwest is hub and spoke. So you got your hub, which is Chicago, and then you got your spokes. Okay, okay. And it's kind of like our bus system here in Lancaster. The hub is Queen Street, and then your spokes go out from there. Yeah. Doesn't work very well, (laughs) (laughs) is what I'm getting at. (laughs) So when I was in Lawrence, uh, I had to take the train back to Chicago. It's a nine-hour ride. So I crossed the Mississippi two times doing that. I think I crossed Mississippi a total of four times because even going, no, three times, maybe four, I don't know. But going up from New Orleans to Chicago, I think you crossed it at least once. But I got to see the sunrise over the Mississippi Cool. um, because my train from Lawrence was like at five in the morning or something too i had a lot of 4 30 wake up calls to get on the train at like the butt crack of dawn Um, (laughs) (laughs) bring a blanket that's my advice because even though i could prove to amtrak i'd be like listen i have a sleeper car for like some of the like very very long ones i got a sleeper car yeah they'd be like no you can't borrow a blanket and legit i had like i wore this a lot uh but the trains can be freezing. Sure. And also outside in the Northeast Corridor, there's no Wi-Fi. And oh, so what are you? I mean, what are you doing in that regard? I mean, you're stuck in a way. Well, and Boost Mobile doesn't have good service. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Anywhere. There's a reason why it's only like twenty five bucks yeah, a yeah, month. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you read a lot. Okay. You talk to other people, which is really cool. You eat really, really, really crappy Amtrak food. Um, Mm. It's still there. (sighs) (laughs) Oh, you try to bring food with you, but like legit, I had the bike bag. I had a weekender bag and I had my backpack. And like when you're traveling by yourself and you're not trying to take too much and you have everything packed to the gills, like you can't bring too, too much. They do have wine on the train, at least, so the food's not good. Was the wine good? No, but, I mean, anything with a straw is palatable. At that that point, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Lawrence, Lawrence, Kansas. I took the train from Lawrence to Chicago, my boyfriend was on a road trip the entire time that I was on okay. um, my train trip. 
I convinced him to go to Indianapolis with me, so he picked me up in Chicago. I cheated. He picked me up in Chicago, and we drove to Indy. Okay, there you go. Because it would have taken me nine hours to get to Indy from Chicago, and it only took us six hours to drive, because that's also the state of our trains Yeah, 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 yeah. in the United States. Uh, and then we were in Indianapolis for six days. Um, John drove from Indianapolis back to Lancaster. It took him nine hours. I had to go from Indianapolis back to Chicago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because hub and spoke. Hub and spoke. Um, when I was in Chicago, I think I had an eight hour layover. So I got to do all the things in Chicago, all the touristy things that I did not do when I was there. Cause okay. I was in Hyde park when I was there and, um, all the nonprofits and everything that I was going to were in the North side and Hyde park is in the South side. So, um, I was taking public transit everywhere, bus system, their, you know, train system and everything. But like the one nonprofit, the recyclery that I was at is all the way up on the north side in Roger Park. Hyde Park is in the south side. It took me two hours to get home that night (laughs) between taking the train and then taking the bus. Um but yeah, it took me 32 hours to get home from Indy. Because <laughs> uh, like from Indy to Chicago, that eight hour layover, and then Chicago to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh to Lancaster. And I, I was like, I got to finish the trip as intended. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. when I got back and told Dave Kozer, who's uh, the program director at um, the Community Foundation, he's like... I would have just driven. I would have said, screw it. And I would have just driven home. And by the time I got home, I was like, I should have just driven home. Because nine hours versus 32 hours, I was like, I'm never getting on a train again. Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't for quite some time because, um, man, sure, Mayor Pete is like, we're investing billions of dollars in Amtrak. I'm like, bro, you're about 40 years too late. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. There is stuff. I think one of the most depressing things was it was one of the long train rides I was on, which I was on many of them. First of all, the one from Atlanta to uh, New Orleans, which was probably, I think, nine hours. Uh all of the bathrooms, save for two, uh, were not working on the trains, which was cool. They ran out of water. Wow. And uh, the Saints fans on that car put up uh, signs that they found that said the bathrooms were out of order because they didn't want anybody using them. And then the conductors found out and yelled at them and made them take down the signs so we could actually have functioning bathrooms. Yes, that was that was fun, first of all. Second of all... Conductors are the only ones allowed to like use the ramps and get them set up. There's no continuity between stations and how high their uh, platforms are. So we got someplace at some point and they're like, okay, we have a smoking break and they still call them smoking breaks. Oh, like, wow, do that. Okay, it's 2023, or it was 2020, 2022, smoking break. 
And there was a gentleman in a motorized wheelchair and he's like, I want to get off. And she's like, it's only me. I can't like we have to shorten this break because the train is behind and I can't. Okay. I don't have time to get the ramp out for you. And they're like big, heavy metal ramps. And people were like, oh, we'll help you. And she's like, no, you like you can't. It's liability. You cannot help me. She's like, sir, just this once. I'm going to open the window for you. And she opened up the window in between the train cars to let him smoke out the window. Jeez. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> <laughs> Only on Amtrak. Only huh? on Amtrak. I mean, that's like... <sighs> the man should be able to have a rollabout. Like... Yeah. That is an accessibility issue. That is... Like, how are we that far behind? That's... that. Not so much with Amtrak because I don't know. I'm not privy to it, but I, I've had experiences like that where, just like you said, I'm like, it's 2023. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing? How are we this? And I, I'm just assuming that they've been able to get away with that because not many people complain. It's just more so of an accepted, grandfathered in way of traveling. We just invest in our highway system. We don't do things like invest in our trains. Mm. Because the people that take trains do it for like the sightseeing or they do it because they're afraid to fly or they do it because maybe they have to buy two seats because they are too big to fly. Gotcha. Or, you know, uh, flights aren't very accessible either for people in wheelchairs to be able to use bathroom facilities, things like that. But I was just reading about Kim Jong-un's bulletproof train that he took from North Korea to Russia. And it goes 23 miles per hour. And that's about as fast as the trains in the Midwest go. So we're doing just about as well as North Korea as far as our trains go. It's something really to celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh. (laughs) Northeast Corridor. Okay, let's go. Right. But like outside. It was just, it was kind of shocking. I came back and I was like, Amtrak is trash. (laughs) (laughs) Was that part of the experience that that caught you off guard? Were you aware that you may experience something like that? Besides this bicycle adventure off to the side, you had another experience, which was Amtrak. Were you prepared for that or was that that blindsiding you? It, it, I knew that like Amtrak wasn't as good outside the Northeast corridor. I didn't realize it was that bad though. I didn't realize it had that bad of like accessibility issues and stuff. And I mean, I, I, I've lived in Europe and I've taken trains all over Europe and I lived in Eastern Europe where the trains are like, they're not great, but holy crap, are they a million times better? And not only that, they're cheaper. Wow. Like, the thing about our train system is, if it's going to be bad, at least make it cheap. Like, it's expensive for what it is. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, don't be taking all my money and then giving me, like... Give me what you're giving me. Yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely not. Yeah, I, I especially, like... um. I'm surprised by that one because I would think that a, a, there has to be a lot of people that still commute 
through the train. It's not. Is that a dying here form of transportation here? Here in the Northeast Corridor, they do. Okay. Because we make it easy for them to do it. Plus, the government, like the federal government, owns the tracks out there. Mm. Like Norfolk Southern and all the other shipping yeah. and everything, they own the tracks and they have essentially priority. So it makes it wow. really, really complicated. We just have not invested in rail travel like we have the federal highway system forever. Hmm. And again, it's so much of that like insular kind of like me, me, me. And that's kind of what car culture is, right? It is that singularity. It's not really community yeah um you know part of the reason why we are so focused on at least creating the accessibility for bicycles and really wanting people to see bicycles as transportation which i think a lot of people do not see bicycles as transportation is because the second highest line item on people's budgets are is is transportation and people spend anywhere from seven thousand dollars to twelve thousand dollars a year on a motor vehicle Mm. and for a lot of people they have more than one car yeah yeah in their family right so i mean if we can get people to think about even if it's just giving up one of their cars that is money that goes right back into their pockets that can go to housing, that can go to supporting the local economy, that can go to, I mean, who cares, travel, like whatever. Yeah. But like that is money that goes directly into your pockets instead of going to gas and going to all this other stuff to a really quickly depreciating asset. And bicycles are a really great form of transportation, like actual transportation. You got kids in the school district of Lancaster. We don't bus under two miles, right? For some of these kids, it is 40 minutes to an hour for them to walk to school. Mm. We get them on a bike. It's 20 minutes for them to get to school. But we need to make it safe, right? So that's why we want to have things like bike lanes. But we also need people who are driving to be a part of this with us. To not park in the bike lane first and foremost, but to also slow down when they're going to turn to like really slow down and yeah. take a look before they're turning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To be partners with us in this, because like, it's not just about the people on the bikes. It's about our kids getting to school safely, getting to their job safely. It's because, you know, the people on these bikes, they're like, they're people. They're actual people. And they deserve to exist in this world just as much as anybody in a car does. Yeah. I like that. So. I can appreciate that. I think uh, from somebody on the outside looking in, I think one of the things that would benefit, like, because uh, while you were talking, I was thinking, like, how, like, what do you do to get um, motorists uh, on the same page or, uh, like, like for example, there's times where I'm like, uh, 
should I go around them? Should I, how close can I get? Cause I, I don't want to impede in, in their, in their travel. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to cut them off. I, but then there's times where it's just like, uh, are they turning left? Are they turning right? Like things like that, where it's, it's almost like a guessing game. And so while you were talking, I was like, yeah, I, I totally dig it. How can, what can be done to kind of like bridge the gap where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like, listen, I get it. You may not dig it, but it's going to help the community. This is this is what you can do to partake in it. It's going to benefit you. How well, like how any ideas on how we can do that? Yeah, I mean, one of the things. So I wrote a grant. Hopefully, we get it. There you go. <laughs> Through the Community Foundation, it's one of their Community Bridge Builders grants. Because what I really want to do is, you know, in the city we have Vision Zero, which is the goal of zero traffic deaths by 2030. Okay. Right? Hoboken, if Hoboken can do it, we can do it. What do you mean by that? I know what you mean, but like, what are we looking at statistically here? Is that like within the, like, motorists and all together? Just try to eliminate it completely across Mm -hmm. the board. Across the board. And it's possible. As I said, Hoboken did it. If Hoboken can do it, we can do it. <laughs> if Jersey can do it, we can do it. Jersey. Right? <laughs> we can do it. So I wrote this grant because what I want to do is I want to, like, we have we have money in the city, $12.7 million safe streets funding that we got uh, through the federal government to do things like put in bike lanes, but also do some education around Vision Zero. Um, And that's all well and good for city residents, but we got a lot of people who live out in the county that come into the city to play. And they're like, what the hell is green paint? (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. How do I, like, how do I react around this? Like, what do I do? Like, if I see a cyclist on the road, how do I pass them? Right. What is, what is all of this? Because not everybody is malicious. Like, right. trust me, I realize that. Like, some people genuinely do not know that four feet is the minimum to pass and that you can go over the double yellow line. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Some people don't know that. So what we hope to do is to team up with other partner organizations, such as, like, the Factory Ministries, all these... Uh, like Echoes up in E-Town, these hubs that already exist that have really great connections to their communities already and um, entice motorists, especially with like good gift cards, like let's say like $500 to Giant or something that they can raffle into to bring vulnerable road users, pedestrians, cyclists. In Lancaster County, we have to talk about horse and buggies. Yeah. Because those, those are a thing here. Scooters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and motorists in the same room because, you know, I think part of that too is that connection, right, as well, is making people see the humans that exist. But there are different tools too that are out there. Um, like in the UK, they have 
like these mats that they use where they'll they'll set it up and they essentially have like somebody on like an exercise bike and then they have somebody kind of pass by them really quickly uh, within the the different okay. amounts of meters that are legal so you can feel what it feels like if somebody does somebody it. comes really close to you because mm. you know people don't realize how terrifying it is when you come very very close to you like in a car especially yeah. i mean it's a 2000 pound plus vehicle and it is not fun to have somebody like the driver's side or the passenger mirror. Yeah, yeah. Or just even come close. It's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Sure. Um, so different things like that. But then also just, you know, safe streets is a concept that the county is is also educating people on. They don't have nearly as much money, nor do they have kind of the the staffing and the ability to do it. So, you know, part of what we do as an organization is we want to be out there to be able to, to to be that trusted kind of source. Um, so hopefully I get this grant. Yeah. Because I want these funds to be able to be out there. My, my goal is to have, you know, even if it is five drivers who are sitting with their buds in the car and they see somebody have some, you know, not great behavior and they say, hey, Hey, buddy, what you did there, it wasn't safe and it wasn't cool. And let me tell you why. And maybe a ripple effect will happen. Right. And we'll see people start respecting each other a little bit more, start being a little bit safer because pedestrian and cyclist death, they're on the rise. Mm. They are continually going up. We saw them fall um, when, you know, people weren't driving as much during COVID and everything. Resident, yeah, and then yeah. they have spiked. Yeah. And they are continuously going up. And we do not need that. We need things to go down. We yeah. don't want people dying, right? Like, that is not that is not what we need. We need to be Hoboken. <laughs> <laughs> be like Hoboken. But, you know, I think just in general... We as a society, when it comes to our streets, we can slow down. Yeah. We can be a little kinder to our neighbors. And uh, we can think about, just think about maybe eliminating a vehicle. Because we've also had an acute parking problem in Lancaster since the 1970s. Yeah. And electric vehicles are not going to help that. Yeah. But bicycles very well could. I mean, my boyfriend and I, we moved in together in June. He just sold his car. And he bought himself a new bike with (laughs) the money. (laughs) So we're a one-car family now. And we are a one, two, three, four, five-bike family. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) How does that work? When you you mentioned that a couple of times... Mm -hmm. um, convincing people to let go of a vehicle yeah that's not that's not an easy task to mm-hmm. do to convince you know i mean it, to get people on board and but then to further say and try to get rid of your vehicle though in principle i completely get it 
But when you finally do it in your in your situation, you and your boyfriend, you uh, he sold his vehicle. Yeah. So how do you how are you hand how are you? Was it like a we got to change the way we do things? Was it already in place and you were like the car is really just a waste? Yeah. It, I mean, for us, it's really simple. He works in the city. Okay. Okay. Um, I work from home a lot, but even you know like. When I go to Columbia, I try and take the bus as much as possible. I live 10 minutes from the the bus depot walking. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we that's exactly what we try to do. His dentist is up in Ephrata. So okay. the other day, he took the bus up to Ephrata, and then he rode his bike back. We try to, I mean, it's not for us. It's not just like, like we, we live it too. Yeah, it's yeah. not just, we don't just speak it. We walk, we walk the walk. Right. We ride the ride. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's why, you know, our TA, for example, right now, they're doing a transit study. You'll see me at transit, like at our TA meetings because Yes, like the bus is an important piece of this puzzle. Yeah. Because, yeah, taking the bus is great, first of all. Second of all, a lot of people who take the bus also ride bikes. So I need to be there to ensure that those folks who don't have time to go to these meetings have somebody who is advocating for them. Because if we get microtransit, which microtransit is probably coming here. What's that? Microtransit is basically like uber but operated by rta like okay which in in theory it's gonna be good but if you take away like complete bus lines and just replace it with microtransit oh, so that's a complete re replacing the actual bus that's that. one scenario but we don't think that's actually going to happen okay, they want to okay. have like little blobs of microtransit attached to essentially like some of the bus lines. <laughs> I got to feel it isn't it's a little sitting sus. well with you. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Cause it's hub and spoke, right? Yeah, so like if you want to yeah. go from lit to like Ephrata, right? Yeah. I don't know where, but I'm with you. You know, you'd have to go <laughs> back down to Queen Street to take the bus. All yeah. The way okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And we're like, why? That doesn't make sense at yeah, all. Yeah. No. And instead of having like this blob of microtransit, why not have a band of microtransit or do like an outer loop? That's all people want. That's all we want. Yeah. We just want the ability the to go through the spikes yeah. or through spokes. the spokes. Spikes. Yikes. Um, <laughs> But the thing is, too, I asked, like, I'm like, hey, will microtransit have the ability to, like, will it have bicycle facilities? And they're like, maybe. Well, maybe it's not good. And, like, yeah. that's not good enough. Because a lot of people take their bike on the bus and then use their bike to get that, like, extra mile, like, that last mile places. If they can't take their bike bike then on microtransit like if microtransit is the only option then like that's not good enough mm. so it's all like it's all very interconnected yeah yeah and it seems like it it seems like a lot really it's wow i'm 
I'm I, literally I'm learning a, a <laughs> lot just because again, you know, for someone like me, I just know of yeah, that's a bike and people ride bikes, but there it's a lifestyle and there's levels to it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you want to implement it on the on the level that you do. When you were doing your your traveling, did you document it at all? Were you blogging? Were you taking pictures? Were you journaling? Like, yeah, I did. I had a. I I still have the account. I have um an Instagram account. It's Amtrak Adri. Okay. Yeah, I haven't been too active on it lately. I probably should be a little bit more active on it. Um, but I did have quite a bit oh, that cool. I put up on there. Um, so that's, yep, that's still, that's still up. Uh, lots of, lots of Instagram stories. And I've actually, I've used a lot of that content. Um, I did a webinar for the League of American Bicyclists. Um, I think that was in partnership with Amtrak about the experience. I've done a couple of webinars actually about it um and a couple of speaking engagements nice. about the trip so it was it was pretty cool and it was it's not every day that somebody takes a folding bike and just kind of leaves for three weeks well, no i mean yeah well that, i mean when you take a step back it's like yeah you did it mm-hmm. and it, and again um, I, I repeat myself when i say the amtrak experience wasn't something that you were planning on, but that is now part of that experience as well. So overall, it's like you got this pretty awesome kick-ass story to say, I did this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and you're right. I you you did it with the bike and you traveled and you and you you were meeting different places like Commonweal, you, you mm-hmm. mentioned. And how did that how did that go? Were you did you learn something from them as well or, or was it? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I think one of the coolest things that I learned is that we're doing so many things right. Okay. That, that's that what was I was getting like, at. So validating. You were like, okay, we're doing <laughs> something like, right here. Yeah. We're doing, we're doing things right. And what was really cool too was like, I felt like people learned a lot from me too. Cool. Which... I will be the first to tell you that there's a lot of times that I feel like I have that I'm just like not not necessarily good enough to to be in some of the spaces that I okay. kind of occupy that I'm not like official enough and Got you. I got you. You know, like I don't have a background in urban planning. My degree is in European studies. It's in <laughs> modern European history, Italian language, and comparative literary studies. Okay. I like I read a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Right. But I'm very much so like self self read and self taught in a lot of the stuff and uh, a lot of what I've learned as far as like infrastructure goes is because I've experienced it firsthand. Right. So when I go to things like traffic commission, it's and I can say like I've like I think this could work it's because I've seen it elsewhere and I've seen it working elsewhere so um it just was such a big confidence boost to to go to these different places and and know that like the organization that I lead that we're the work that we're doing is like the impact that is having 
it's on the right track and yeah. it's doing the right thing. And to hear like some of the issues that, you know, some of the people were having at some of these different places that I was able to, to, you know, impart some wisdom and tell them how we, you know, figured some things out. That was, that was really cool to be able to, um, just to be that resource. Cool. And then, you know, just, just to learn how, especially, you know, coming out of COVID really, how people were, were bouncing back or how their pivots, uh, really kind of influenced, um, how they operated. Like, uh, you know, the, the reason why we added the financial literacy portion to, um, to earn a bike was because I saw it at another earn a bike program in Indianapolis. Okay. And, you know, some of the ways that we might do the build out in Columbia is kind of influenced by one of the nonprofits that I saw in, in Indianapolis as well. I just yeah. love indie. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's so cool. It's it's a great place. But, you know, you just, you learn so many cool things from, from people. And it can just be, you know, it can be a tiny little thing, but it can just be super, super impactful. Yeah. And I, um... I really just want to shop cat now too. Like the, the one place they had a cat named Wheeler and he just followed us around the entire time. And that was really cool. Okay. Yeah. We need a shop. Pet. Okay, so that's, that's, that's one of the perks of traveling is you learn things. And one of those things was we need a shop cat. We need a shop cat. Have you thought of an, of a potential name for a shop cat? I feel like the kids might need to vote yeah, on that, which right. is kind of opening up Pandora's box. If we're being yeah. honest, yeah. maybe we would give them a list yeah. that they Pick can from choose these. from. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. You got to bottleneck it a little bit. <laughs> You'll get names for the next three weeks after voting starts. It uh -huh. just never stops. Yeah. You'll get five names uh, a day. You'll have 55 names to go through. It's a long process. Bodie McBoatface. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With two people voted for that. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Who thought of that? <laughs> I think uh, I think what's the, the cool thing about this is that um, when you mentioned that it, taking the train forces you to slow down that really is what we're talking about here in general yeah. really is like <laughs> how how can we all slow down so we can like be safer uh enjoy each other's company a little bit more learn about each other a little bit more all those things play into that slowing down and taking the opportunity that you did the travel is opening your eyes to other things like these experiences that you had that are aiding in in your growth with the common wheel and other aspects of your life like you wouldn't have had that had you not taken that those that trip mm -hmm. so that just that's like life it's like taking the chance oh yeah to do something and not knowing you know you don't want to have any planned idea of what to expect you just let the Throw it against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. You know, let the cards fall. Um, so I think that's cool. That's like 
one of the things I'm taking from this conversation is just like slow down and be willing to just go out there, put yourself out there and learn something uh, because it will. The littlest thing, like you said, you'll be surprised where in life that'll come up where it's like, yeah, I remember learning that and it, it helps you. So that's awesome. I appreciate this conversation. This is really, really cool. Um, one question to wrap up. Yeah. Considering everything that we've talked about, especially here in Lancaster, how do you foresee this? This um, do you see Lancaster adapting rather quickly? See, I threw the caveat in there. So, <laughs> on the theme of slowly, yeah, yeah, I think it might be. I think it might be slower than a lot of us hope. Okay, I think Lancaster. You know, we've been here for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Right? What? We're the oldest inland city in the United States or something like that. So okay. I didn't know that. I think I think that's right. I'll have to ask Matt Johnson or something. He probably knows. But uh, I think we're slow to adapt to change. Change is terrifying. Lots of things are terrifying, right? But change can be really beautiful. And it can be, you know, really good for us, too. It takes over 160,000 trips by bike to equal the impact that one car has on the road in one year. Wow. All I hear from people all the time is how crappy our roads are, right? And how we hate seeing them being torn up and repaved and this and that, right? So... (laughs) If you want to do anything, you should be thanking a person on a bicycle because nobody's making an impact on the road like a car is. If anything, we are keeping it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We're keeping it smooth. (laughs) I think it's going to be slow, but I think at some point we're going to blink and it's going to be like... we're going to feel like it's always been like this. Okay, I got you. At least that's my hope. And I'm not going to hear people being like, well, I never see anybody riding a bike. And it's going to be, I only see people riding bikes. Yeah. I still can't get over the fact that somebody said that. Oh, it's it's all the time. Because I always see someone on a bike. I know. I don't, it's in the morning, going the way to work, someone's riding their bike. On the way home from work, someone's riding their bike. And they might be riding their bike on the way home from work, too. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. You know, yeah. it just that just trips me out. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm thankful for this conversation. Uh, Thank because, you for having uh, me. Absolutely. Um, I think what I'm trying to do, and, and this is another example of it, is really just getting to learn different people so that we can better understand each other. So this really is a part of that where what you're doing is is it echoes that in a way like let's learn let me show you what i'm talking about instead of like um pushing me away because i'm somebody that's advocating for bicycles i'm actually trying to do something that could help you too if you paid attention to what i'm trying to tell you Mm -hmm. and that's what i'm that's what i'm getting here so i appreciate that insight and i thank you for coming this is it awesome thank you so much (laughs) absolutely (laughs) 